Hi friends, I know what you're thinking right now. This is not Kelsey Kemp's voice. And there's one of three possible explanations for that. Number one, Kelsey has acquired a head cold that has made her voice possibly higher and acquire a different cadence. Number two, you accidentally clicked on one of 857 podcasts recorded by a 20-something-year-old telling you how you can live your life in this season more purposefully and joyfully. Number three, this is a hostile takeover of Answer the Call. Number three is the closest to reality, but I assure you it's a friendly takeover. My name is Claire Robbie, and I have the immense privilege of being in the host chair this week as we interview none other than Kelsey Kemp. That's right. It's Answer the Call's 100th episode. I can remember being on the phone with Kelsey before she launched, talking about her vision for this podcast and who she hoped to reach and talk about. And all I thought was, well, we know a lot of cool people, so I'm excited to see it happen. I had no idea what would emerge and what she would create and who would benefit as a result of it. So today we get to turn the mic around. We get to hear about some of her biggest victories from the first year, as well as some of the most important struggles, some of her bucket list people for the podcast, her strengths that she gets to use in her day-to-day role, and my favorite question, her vision for her life 10 years from now where Answer the Call will be, the called career, who she'll be impacting, and what she'll be up to. And don't worry, Constantine will be in attendance. I had an absolute blast recording this episode with Kelsey, and I hope that you'll have a blast listening to it. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's dive in. Okay, well, today's very exciting because I get to be in the driver's seat. Did you ever (laughs) listen to... um, Shania Twain come on over CD and she has oh, this you song bet. where she's mm-hmm. like in my car I am the driver yes okay I was vibing with you just you know by bopping my head I refused to pitch in my voice to that <laughs> uh because I was just gonna let you take it over you're the much better singer of the two here <laughs> uh I literally that line about in my car that's the only place you'll find me singing but Shania Twain come on over long story short I'm very excited to be in the driver's seat today well I'm excited that you are in the driver's seat and I can't wait for this I kind of um you know I almost just fumbled into the trite like (laughs) I can't believe it's the hundredth episode but truly I'm having some flashbacks like (laughs) from the earliest days is anybody listening (laughs) just me (laughs) all right I'm just gonna make this a habit and see if it turns up like any sort of way uh but wow 100 here we go crazy it's true yeah I guess you're right I'm not really a driver I'm more of a chauffeur you like gave me permission to drive this episode. no not so. a driver <laughs> um yeah 100 episodes gosh I remember you calling me and being like I'm gonna start this podcast and these are people I want to talk to and I was like I love those people and it was just pals just- like all of our pals <laughs> even hey, still it's just pals the best people and it's good content and that's not true I've absolutely talked to people who have listened to this podcast who we did not know (laughs) five years ago so this is exciting and uh yeah I just think that it is incredibly important that we take a moment and we think back and we think about funny stories and great moments and cool people but more than anything pick your brain because we get to hear a lot of 
all the amazing things that you've created and thought about and encourage other people to think about, but we don't get to get in your head all that often. So that's really what we get to do today, right? You want to dive in? Let's go. Okay, perfect. So uh, when I think Kelsey Kemp, I think girl boss. This is probably related to the fact that during the power outage a few weeks back, I read Tina Fey's Bossy Pants memoir. Um, but It's a good one. <laughs> Uh, last night I heard a speaker, Matt Josephy, if you know him, you love him. And he talked about this idea of having global role models versus local role models and global role models, meaning people who are out there in the world, who you don't know, but you look up to and respect for some reason, and then local role models. And so I'm going to apply that same framework, but tailor the question to one of my favorite girl bosses. It's International Women's Day yesterday. And so in the tune of that, <laughs> Kelsey, I um, want to know, first off, who are two of your global girl bosses? Global girl bosses. Global girl bosses and then two local girl bosses that you have looked up to, have inspired you and encouraged you as oh you become your own girl boss. Oh man. Uh, oh, I get so excited about this also you flatter me like way too much but two global girl bosses for sure one is elisa childers she's actually a apologist but she tackles such complex theological issues with like some of the greatest intellect and um eloquence i would say i've nearly ever seen and also such humility she addresses um some incredibly tough topics, especially about the progressive Christian church and um, some leanings that are actually not biblical, but with such immense poise and literally not a hint of condemnation, which is rarely ever seen. Um, Even in me, like I I try to talk about things I care about and believe are true. And I just look up to her so much as someone who can affirm the truth with a lot of intelligence, but be so even keeled. I think I'm the opposite of even keeled. (laughs) So I look up to her a lot. Um, And another one is, wait, can I do not alive? Yeah. Or does it have to be alive? No. All right. Sure not alive I gotta before. give a, a shout out to uh, Corey Ten Boom, uh, a classic. I feel like a lot of people might say this, but she was a Holocaust survivor um, and the author of The Hiding Place, which is just um, a book that will bring you to tears, will cause you to be in awe of God and how she let God work in her life and even see miracles and how she persisted with such strength and hopefulness, even in the worst conditions known to mankind. Um, That's something that has always left a huge impression on me for sure. But then local girl bosses. All right. I, I cannot, I cannot pick just two Um, for sure. Bendu Thoda, my friend who is Oh, we, I mean, almost all these people actually, no, literally all of them that I'm about to mention have been on the podcast. I was going to say episode number, we should reference her. Oh my gosh. I wish I could remember. I feel like it's, it's in the first 10. It was so early on. She is the most hardcore person I know. Like she'll email me, um, 
and we I don't know why we correspond over email that's a funny quirk but <laughs> she'll email me and she's like I just got off a 27 hour shift at the hospital oh I should have said Dr. Bindu Thoda um and I need you to get on the phone with me to keep me awake and we'll just talk and she'll talk about like deep matters of justice and like theology and yeah anyway she really um blows me away Episode 13. I looked it up. Oh my gosh. Vigilance. Um, Okay. And then Ariane Minks, she, I think she invented the word whippersnapper. That's also such a Southern term. Oh my goodness. But um, yeah, incredibly smart. I've never seen her not like on it. (laughs) She's so poised yet so kind and inviting, um, which yeah, I just don't, I don't understand how she uh, does all that she does um, working on on Capitol Hill. Um, And then Maria Pope, gosh, my lady, she's such a boss. Um, I I think I'm going to have to speed this up and just shout out names and you could look up each of their episodes. But Megan Stone um, working as a director, she got that when she was 26, that title when she was 26 at a huge nonprofit here in Austin. Um, she's an incredible leader. So yeah, again, on it. I think she owns that term. Also, Chesley McCarty. Uh, this is a new friend actually that Ariane introduced me to. And y'all should follow her on Instagram at the Tangled Tomato because her I, she is the queen of passion projects, but then like following through on them and actually making them businesses. I'm pretty sure she probably owns like five LLCs at this point that she's all like incorporated and started making money off of uh, off of a whim. But she also pursues each and every one of her hobbies with the utmost excellence. So that's such an interesting example, I think, that she carries. But anyway, a bit long winded, but lots of girl bosses in my life amazing uh seriously a star-studded cast I um sent some students to Arian let's be real I send students to Arian and Maria like on a regular basis on the rec- they should invoice me for the number of people I'm sending to them and yes they're both absolutely fantastic um beautiful okay so I think that when I think about this conversation I thought about it in terms of looking back doing some reflection doing a little bit of present moment appreciation and then also a look forward. And so I think the natural progression is to start with some reflective questions. So Kelsey, first and foremost, looking back on that first year, um, whenever you branched off, started the called career, what was the most important struggle you faced? And and the word important, not just like an arbitrary hardship, but what was the most yeah. important struggle that you wrestled to the ground in your first year being an entrepreneur in this space? Yeah, I like how you emphasize important because it's so easy to just kind of have that quip like, you know, struggle makes you stronger just in a general sense. But one of the most pivotal lessons that I learned that was also the most painful or um, kind of was that it was the hub of many spokes of like a lot of problems was, man, did I have to learn an important lesson around listening to counsel and getting mentorship from people who were very successful in 
a like by the world's definition but they actually truly did not hold hardly any of my personal core values and I just really didn't think that's a big deal I just thought as long as I think they're a good business person and I would like to understand like their business model and how they handle it um I did not understand what I understand now only through that experience that when you follow someone's advice by some measure you are aligning your life to look more like the person you're listening to and I listen to people that prioritize wealth more than anything else but the way that that came out it was a lot more subtle than I would have thought so um and also I listened to people who were blatantly um their beliefs were more along the lines of like new age spirituality. Um, So that ended up personally getting me in a lot of trouble because first I was listening to them at the very earliest stages of getting my business off the ground. And when I communicated my vision to these two mentors that I ended up paying a, a large amount of money to be able to work with, that's really common in entrepreneurship to actually pay for a mentorship program. Um, and so when I did that, um, they actually flat out told me that I shouldn't, uh, specialize in what I do now, which is I serve Christians. I help them discern on the topic of calling through the lens of the Bible. This is very central to who I am. It's based in uh, like <laughs> the, my core personal convictions and beliefs. Um, and I was constantly over months shaped to move away from that and secularize everything. Um, And their reasoning seemed very sound and I was easily influenced. um, And it ended up being a whole year that I listened to all this advice um, until I finally reclaimed that. I always knew what I was supposed to do. I've been pretending like I'm confused this whole time and struggling and not even really believing in what I'm doing um, because I'm acting out of alignment with what um, I really always felt called to do. And these people also really encouraged me to make in quote investments and bets that ended up losing me vast amounts of money. um, And really um, also hurting friendships too, because the way that they taught me to build my business um, was like hustling people. And it felt terrible. And, uh, it almost caused me to give up until I realized like, oh my gosh, wow. I have allowed myself to be so influenced by people. It was just like the analogy of, um, what, what is it where like the, the frog boils in the pot that's like slowly getting warmer and warmer and it's just like, oh, this feels nice. And then all of a sudden it's like, you're gone. (laughs) Um, and you don't realize that the tipping point happened a long time ago. Um, So it sounds like, you know, this end of that story and the implications were um, quite drastic, but there was just so many little entry points of like, I guess this is okay. Oh, they're right. Like I should listen to them. Um, So the whole lesson there was to um, really make sure that if I'm going to take on advice and mentorship from someone, I truly have gotten to know their life and their character. And I'm more than okay with kind of becoming like them in many ways. 
I, that is exceptional. And I think that there's a couple great draws from that. Number one, what you talked about using our values as a filter for decision-making, um, primarily in terms of who we let speak into our lives and our enterprises. But also I think that it wasn't something, I, I don't know from an outsider's perspective, I don't know that that is something that unless you had walked through that with your business model, I don't know that you would be able to say with such confidence that I am doing what I need to be doing by centering my clientele on people who are interested in the will of God in their lives and understanding the spirit as they discern a way forward. I think that without that year of struggle and feeling that tension, it would have been really tempting to fall into a place where you're like, eh, I probably could be as effective if I compromised here or did this different direction. So I think that answered the question really well. And I see the value you know, of that. Thank you. And that actually just made me realize that by being like pretty undivided and incredibly open about this is what I do. It aligns with this specific set of beliefs and this is who I am. And I wrote a beliefs um, statement on my website that also allows others to more clearly evaluate, do they want me to speak into their life or not? Like, so it kind of affords others the same, um, option that I wish I had been more discerning about. Mm, yeah, that's good. Okay. So again, another reflective question, working through the lens that every experience we have has value and has something that we learn from something we gain, even something that feels fruitless at the time. As you look back on your time, back in your time at con in consulting mm -hmm. two questions, um, Number one, what what is one thing that you learned in that role that has been very applicable to what you do now? And then secondly, what's something that you wish you'd been more intentional about learning and seeking exposure to while you were in that role and had access to the resources tied to it? Yes. Wow. I feel a lot of energy behind my answer to this question. Um, one thing that I think was just invaluable to take away was being really, really meticulous in the details. Um, having strong memories uh, in my experience bank of a um, high up like partner in the consulting practice being like, Kelsey, you can't have a bill rate of $300 an hour for our company and have uh uh, the numbers on your pages of your slides messed up. You can't. And was I like, whoa, you know, like very, I was trembling at the time and mad at myself that I made um, a mistake like that. And even at times wondering like, goodness, is there any grace here? Um, like I, I have an overload of work and all this stuff, but just demanding more of myself constantly, especially out of a respect and an honoring of the client. Um, and I think I, it took me a while to realize how much that has really, really helped me because as I look, um, frankly at others in the, uh, coaching and personal consulting space as well, I see an over glorification of done is better than perfect. You're an entrepreneur. So you have to wear all the hats and you can't, uh, hold yourself up. Uh, other people are going to get ahead just because they're willing to take quote, messy action. And I have refuted that ideology from the beginning because there has to be a standard in place and you can't charge someone 
their hard-earned dollars and say, oh, sorry, I messed up. Like, sorry, I remember distinctly I bought a uh, a training course for social media marketing for $500 early on. And this, and this even happened again recently with another a smaller training I paid for. Um, and this course uh, included a video from the instructor, this entrepreneur, that for three minutes, she was like, sorry, my dog is barking. I'm going to go give her a treat and did not edit the video whatsoever and comes back and essentially says, see, I'm modeling for you that it's okay. Done is better than perfect. And I'm like, no, that's not okay. And that's not honoring to your client. And I see that as a huge small business culture. Um, and I think it's been to my gain and to the respect uh, and nurturing of my clients that I really demand excellence of myself, um, even in the page numbers of my slides. And then two, um, the thing that I wish I developed so much more, uh, or man, I was just like such a plebeian at it uh, when I was in consulting was time management. Your girl had no idea what she was doing. I, uh, I really think honestly, um, in college, I hadn't learned too much about time management um, because your schedule is still somewhat like open. It doesn't really, you find yourself not really caring if social time is in the morning and then you stay up super late and just do whatever. And so, and then I was homeschooled <laughs> growing up. And um, so I think time management had not come and hit me in the face yet or said like, hey, you should learn this. Um, and so I honestly look back and I think, was I in a, a very hectic and busy job by nature? Yes, but I, I genuinely think I was like way more stressed out than I needed to be. And I had no idea how to like practice essentialism, prioritize my my time. I had no idea what deep focus work and how to get there even meant, but this is something that I have had to learn. And it's been so wonderful to just understand discipline <laughs> more now that I'm on my own dime. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's a good a good reflection. How those things have, you know, what do they say? I feel like I've used that constantly this past year. That um, necessity breeds action. Necessity breeds ingenuity. Yes. All the things, and so, yeah, necessity in this case bred good habits in regards yep. to time. That's awesome. Um, okay, so this is another reflective question, but tailored to the podcast. As you look back. Um, this is a, a question that came in from Instagram. What do you feel like are some of the most valuable lessons you've learned from others in the first 99 episodes? Okay, this is where I finally get to give you a more detailed shout out because, well, gosh, I actually can't remember because um, we've done it like this is, I think, our third or fourth episode together. And but in one surely of them, just three. <laughs> <laughs> surely not. Um, but uh, I remember in one of them, um, I think it was in the top three. Can you hear Constantine screaming? He's being so annoying. It wouldn't be Chelsea, a podcast recording without exactly. my cat. If, if Constantine didn't make an appearance in the hundredth episode, I would shut it down and re-record. So. <laughs> shut it down and re-record. Um, but when, I think it was the top three mistakes college students make when trying to select their first career, um, that episode, you talked about the concept of triangular desire and just essentially encouraging us in the principle of not like really, 
I, I think that we know this kind of on like a high level of, yeah, don't just do something because other people seem to value it. But the compelling way that you made that case of um, how to identify if you're falling into this trap that just kind of seems like a way of life and then really compelling reasons for why we should be ultra cautious of making decisions or going down paths just because others and the majority deems uh, some decisions more valuable than or careers more valuable than others. Uh, but then other highlights, um, Eric and Caitlin Newman, another <laughs> a couple in our gang of friends, um, their example of, I mean, truly this was so special, their example of being in jobs, both that they loved so much and they were excellent at, they found it incredibly rewarding and they still were so proactive, not from a, a greedy, like, gosh, it has to be better and not out of any sense of lack, but they started a year and a half before they predicted they would want to make a move just for career advancement. They started looking then a year and a half before just casually, like kind of putting their feelers out there um, to um, discern what next move would be worth pulling us from this and then they both ended up making like tremendous um career leaps and so I thought that example was just so noteworthy then Megan Stone um on how quitting fast can actually be good and a wise thing sometimes um even quitting before the one year mark her example is I believe her first two jobs she left um by the nine month nine or 10 month mark. Um, yet you just have to tune into that episode to hear how one to do that respectfully with grace, with wisdom for a good reason and, um, how she actually used that to get, I mean, look, I mentioned her earlier, like a director position at a huge nonprofit. Um, the last one I'll mention is Andrew Winker's episode, our interview, just his example of he is in every way, just like an exceptional, I hate reducing it to this term, but to kind of use a buzz term to let it click for all of us. He is a traditional, highly successful corporate person. And you can be called to that. You could have tremendous purpose in that. You could have such a good heart and be needed and have that be like your station of service in society. And that episode cannot be missed. Like no matter if you see yourself as like a pragmatist or an idealist, like you have to listen to his perspective. Absolutely amazing. I, in the course that I work with here, I've heard General Van Alstine, an important mentor of both of ours, talk over and over again about how it's not like it is a complete misconception that leaders don't quit. It's that leaders know when to quit and yes. know the right, the right things to quit um, which goes back to Megan's point uh, in things that y'all talked about in her episode and on the other episodes and examples, if the world had more people like Eric and Caitlin Newman and Andrew Winker, we would all be exceptionally more well off. I mean, just yes. the best humans on all fronts. Um, and one very kind of you, I should have made that a qualifier on all my questions that you're not actually allowed to reference it. No, but <laughs> I only was good at that episode, the three mistakes college students make, because I made all of those mistakes. So that girl, 
that played a lot into same same Um, in literally every sense of everything I talk about (laughs) I loved those all of those episodes you referenced I loved listening to and got a lot of value from so this is another one of our Instagram questions what what has been just one of the most rewarding professional moments for you something that you look back on and you're like man this is beautiful we did it we arrived we arrived uh well recency bias uh I definitely had the sweetest day that I finally finished the job offer accelerator which is the latest thing that I've created um and I was intensely working on developing that for the last eight months and gosh it felt so good to like finally finish like like probably the I think it ended up being like 150 pages or 175 pages total of content and then like a few um hours of audio content it was just crazy um and testing refining revisiting it because couldn't let go of like the details again to my convictions about done is not better than perfect in my opinion and yes it does take me longer and make it a more frustrating process but I believe in honoring people that way um and otherwise obviously my client sessions um sorry Constantine won't quit uh, this cat he was just meowing up a storm but client sessions um not only kind of in the aha moment, maybe midway through our work together before the application and like planning and making it happen begins. But actually my favorite thing is catching up for like maybe if they're local, which is rarely the case because, you know, I meet with Zoom over Zoom with everybody, but sometimes when it's a local client or otherwise we just catch up virtually three to six months after we finish working together literally feeling like I'm talking to a person who not is like a whole new person but is more at rest has it has an exceptional presence of peace uh and like that whole wholesome kind of confidence uh hopefulness and also joy even if as they're talking about man, this ended up being a struggle or we could laugh at how that was hard. Or remember when I sent out um, like 30 networking messages and got a response from like two of them, but then hearing them retell and us like, and them telling the new parts of the story, but us rejoicing together about how God truly did work it all together. Um, Man, I I mean, there's nothing to me that beats that. That's amazing. And yeah, just cool to be able to look back and see tangible examples of the fruitfulness. And actually, it's great. One of the questions I was going to ask was what product or service have you developed or created that you're most proud of? And I feel like uh, you kind of got to hype the job accelerator right there. So everybody yeah. go check that out if you haven't. That's amazing, useful, accessible content. Thank you so much. (laughs) Actually, I just got an email today that finally after five months, um, my trademark has been moved into the publication process. So what? I'm so excited. (laughs) Finally, that's like a tiny legal detail. But to me, it feels like emotionally charged because it's like, ah, that makes it feel legit, you know? Um, So it's really neat. The fact that you own your own business and now are about to have a copyright, I'm like, gosh, this has got to be the most productive person in my life 
nah dog I just found like a paralegal on Upwork to file the <laughs> trademark for me um I mean of course I did a ton of research on my own but anyway yeah no it's not that big a deal that is amazing okay so now I want to do like almost like an intermission just some kind of like fun goofy questions so I know you as one of the funniest people I know so I think that our listeners your listeners for those who like have never had the joy or pleasure to have you sitting on their couch at 2 a.m what are some of your hobbies or things you love other than being a successful female comedic entrepreneur Oh, wow. Wow. All those descriptors. I don't know. Actually, I should have made um, a requirement that just like, I'm not allowed to talk about you in my answers. You're not allowed to hype me up like that. But thank you so much. Uh, So my hobbies. Okay. Consistent, like every day or every week. Okay. Let's start with every day. Walking. I, okay. I drive with my sister Kirsten to the nicest neighborhoods in town in Austin and we just walk around and we kind of pretend like all these people are our neighbors and sometimes we get to know their names and they're like where do you live and we're like up the road aka the major highway in town (laughs) and um I just love beautiful walks with Kirsten um and then also on a weekly basis, definitely my Friday night dinners also with Kirsten, basically my twin and I just do everything together, but that's like our celebration time. We love eating at all the places and exploring all the happy hours. And we play this game where we try to go to the nicest restaurant and get the best deal. So we go to like their earliest happy hour and figure out that they have free bread. And then like also their side, like one of their sides is really cheap. And then their drinks are $6 and we just get one each and (laughs) we go to the fanciest places. Uh, Otherwise I love painting actually, occasionally writing poetry otherwise going down very, very deep YouTube rabbit holes lately. Um, I mean, murder me, but (laughs) I've actually really enjoyed uh, Joe Rogan. I feel like I am a dude now. I'm a dude, like just listening to Jordan Peterson. This is controversial, but Ben Shapiro, Dave Ramsey. I feel like I'm an old man, actually. Okay, you say that. I just felt that so hard. I will literally go walking and I will listen to Jordan Peterson's Genesis series. Yes. These are two and a half hour podcast episodes on one and a half speed, just walking. And I'm like, I'm so <laughs> grateful that the people around me actually can't hear what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. When he gets like so up in your business about like gender science and whatnot, just the man is ruthless. I will say it. I've actually only listened to his Genesis series, but (laughs) there is more to be had clear. Really? (laughs) You should like, let me take you down this YouTube rabbit hole. (laughs) That is amazing. I'm a little afraid. Okay. I cut you off, but I felt both of those things on a deep level. Uh, Honestly, Um, that was pretty much it. And like petting my cats and yeah, (laughs) that's it. (laughs) That is awesome. Um, Yeah. I feel like we've all everybody can identify with the hobby of walking after the past year. If walking's not one of your hobbies, please call and let us know what you've been doing because. No, literally like in the last year I've held on to my faith in the uh, ability to walk outside. That's it. Okay. (laughs) Case closed. 
That's so true. Oh gosh. Um, okay. This is, a, I, I'm kind of test driving this question with people to decide if I like it or not, but oh. <laughs> as just like a fun, interesting question. So I'm, I'm framing it as what is your, if I wasn't a faithful Christian, I could be doing this job, job. And I, I say it. So I, the reason I bring this up is I, I kind of low-key think, and it's not because I think I'm super funny. I just love to write and like quippy things. I low-key think if I didn't have so many principles and I wasn't so concerned about like hurting people, I would love to write for like Saturday Night Live. I think it'd be so fun to be like, a you would be writer. so good at it. I've been, I've been watching a lot of 30 Rock lately and I'm like, this is the funniest stuff. And there's a dark part of my brain that thinks about these things sometimes, but I don't speak it. So I think that that would be my, like, if I wasn't a principled Christian, that would be my career. So do you have an answer for that question? Claire, you're not ready for this. Also, I'm not ready to admit this because I went like the very honest version of this question. And I was, I just, you know, I was eating lunch in my in my car one I was uh, kind of road tripping today as I was typing out answers to these questions and whatnot and as it came out I was like oh no oh my gosh no <laughs> gosh but I guess it's true so I would be like fully like new like probably in the like new age spirituality movement uh manifesting quote as much money as I wanted like terrible terrible and also honestly I would probably swerve that into being a fortune teller so I could have some weird sense of like having influence in people's lives honestly I think as I read this I was like oh good grief Jesus hold my hand I'm sorry so yeah there's my answer terrible okay I'll say it Kelsey I could absolutely see you as like in a different life in a different world being like one of those mediums with a tv show you know you're like no That, that's why we're hurting and also la- like we're laughing so we don't cry basically because we know this is true I should not cackle on podcasts but I'm so close right now that's great yeah, that was honest and very honest yeah, I that was useful okay I've useful are you gonna blackmail me now no I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep using this question I think it reveals a lot so I was the the final domino to say, yes, this is a good one to keep on testing out on your friends. Right. I'm here for it. Um, Okay. So after that brief, but like I said, insightful uh, sidebar, I am going to ask you some questions about things that you think about in the day-to-day of what you're doing and how you are just touching lives and using your strengths for good so that's that's the next question um what strengths do you possess do you uniquely possess that you see yourself getting to use every day or almost every day in your role um (laughs) so I actually I feel self-conscious answering this question because I think that I need to go through my own coaching program to like get a little bit more clear (laughs) on what I feel my innate talents are and uh, all this stuff. Um, But generally, I think that the um, abilities I get to exercise are actually vision casting a lot and actually having a place to have that be useful in my career. Um, that was 
pretty frustrating just to be in the pay your dues uh, part of the early stages of your 20s, obviously. And it can be so awkward to be a young person that has um, an inclination towards casting vision and like building out a full picture and holding belief in that and bringing enough detail and a plan to it when you're not in the like orchestrating thing, like the maestro seat yet. So I am very grateful that actually when I do have, um, like it's actually a part of my business to vision cast and plan. Um, I would say another strength that I'm really grateful it's a core part of my job function is I feel like I'm, I've always been really good at seeing potential in people and genuinely wholeheartedly believing it. And it's always been my hope to communicate that in a way that is not hyperbole or hyperbolic. Um, and it really helps hold up a very effective mirror for someone. Um, so I think believing in people sometimes more than they believe in themselves, but then helping walk with them until they're on their own and they know what's true about them and they know what's possible. Uh, so I would say like just kind of more basically encouragement, uh, like having a, a powerful word because I, I know what it's like to receive like many well-intentioned words that are super nice, um, but they don't, they're not like the impactful thing that you need when you're terrified making an enormous decision or at the worst part of your grief or um, insanely excited, but feeling so vulnerable to admit your dream to someone for the first time, worrying that it's going to sound ridiculous. Um, I would also say I actually I'm grateful that I have a strength for being very academic in my process and um, like very research oriented, detailed so that it I could translate bigger topics or like a vision that I'm holding for someone um, into a here's like a practical roadmap and this is something I've deeply researched and it's not just an idea. Um, and, um, yeah, just like distilling huge concepts into practical steps. Um, I have always been obsessed with plan, making plans and lists since I was a little kid. Oh my gosh. I cried. What uh, distinctly my mom was just telling me about, I was five or six and I made, I always would make a very detailed and I would illustrate it like with drawings, a detailed plan for my whole day. And, if I, I accidentally wavered from the plans and I did them out of step and I cried about it. So anyway, um, I think a little anal retentive, but is that the right word to say? No, gross medical term. I have <laughs> I, no idea. I've I never to... used that phrase, but I have certainly heard that phrase. I don't think I use it because I don't have enough confidence. So I'm actually a bad person. Maybe ask. I should withdraw my confidence in that word because I might have just said something <laughs> not accurate. But anyway. Yeah, I, I think that's an exceptional list. And I think that they're all things that I see Thank in you. you. And I, one, deeply resonate with what you said about uh, believing in people whenever they don't believe in themselves, but it not being a false inflation. It's based on true things and an ability to see true things about people and speak into it. I thought that was powerful. And then secondly, what you said about being academic 
that is enormously, enormously valuable. And I think that's something that isn't hyped enough or isn't encouraged enough. I think because, and this is something I care about, because we have education systems that incentivize checklists and like accomplishing a level of learning rather than an idea that, sorry, you're never actually going to unpack and understand all the things. And therefore you can be curious about everything forever. And there's freedom in that versus like, no, you have to achieve a certain standard of, Mm -hmm. and, and so anyway, I think that where I have been pushed and informed most is I am not naturally incredibly academic in my approach, but I've been surrounded by people who love to learn and it's made me fall more in love with learning. And it's been critical in helping me be more effective in talking with students, in in my job, in being effective. And so if you are learning from anybody, if you're being led by anybody, and if you are receiving services or paying somebody for something, you want that to be a person who is committed to continuous learning. And yes, if, if you are going to somebody who has any sort of vibe that they think they know everything, that should be an enormous red flag. That's not a person that you want to learn from. So yeah, I think time. that's incredibly valuable to have that self-motivation because personally, I have to have a lot of other people sending me articles, telling me to listen Ugh. to this podcast. And once I'm there, I'm curious about it, but it's not something that I initiate on my own. So I, I do. Cue the Jordan Rayner podcast walks. <laughs> Right. You are curious for sure. Well, yeah, I guess. And you have way more formal education than I do, actually, Miss Masters degree. Well, I, uh, that's a, that's a different podcast topic. Um, okay. So you spoke a little bit, I, you know, heard you say the words vulnerability. And so this is very much a hype podcast episode where we get to talk about victories and successes and podcast guests and cool people but I think it'd be useful to know um basically like in in the work you're doing what do you do when you feel like you're treading water when you're not making progress with your business model when you don't feel effective um what do you think about who do you go to to help you think about it where do you go for encouragement um dive into that for us a little bit Yes. Oh man. I really appreciate this question so much because I, I am very passionate about, um, balancing the idealistic sounding talk with something quite grounded and true. Um, while of course never just camping out on like, oh, it's just all hard, but yeah, certainly I have many, um, frustrating days and in, business um if the behind the scenes stuff is just like really not going um how I'd like like for instance I actually had a goal to finish the job offer accelerator content and curriculum um by gosh I think I was gonna say like October and then I said nope self you're gonna do it by November And then I blocked out a bunch of time on my calendar and tried to install a a bunch of new disciplines and started, um, started beginning my work at seven in the morning. And instead I used to keep a later schedule, uh, and I did all this stuff. And then still my end goal of like, you have to finish it all before the turn of the year. It did not happen. And I, I literally just finished it. Like I think a week or two ago. And so that whole process, I was constantly beating myself up, like, what on earth? You are the queen of overcomplicating everything. Um, Like other 
people in this industry are able to pump out new services and programs like it's no big thing. And um, they are already growing in business a lot faster than you uh, because they're the, again, a theme of like, they're the done is better than perfect people and it's working for them. Um, but um, so I was always, <laughs> I had a lot of really frustrating moments with that or um yeah, gosh, there's so many examples. But when I'm experiencing a lot of frustration, I really can't um, overestimate the power of the simple things, which is to write out my prayers and my frustrations to God. Um, and then like, be very honest and don't shortcut uh, writing out physically everything I'm frustrated with or disappointed by or angry at within myself um, or disappointed at circumstances. Like last summer was an incredibly dry season where at the time um, I had been working more than ever. And um, I mean, honestly, COVID like really dried up business for a while. And I, I got so frustrated with that, but just talking it out with God and ending my journaling with the truth, like affirming praise and thankfulness and trust in, in God's story for me, trust in his provision, writing out scripture, like word for word, a chapter at a time when I need it. And then going on a walk, seriously, in, in my most stuck times, just allowing myself to go on a walk without my phone, without any music, nothing, and just walking. I would get still, I would have a hard time releasing the frustration maybe for 10 or 15 minutes, but by the end of it, yeah, we cannot underestimate these small things and treat them like with the lullaby effect of like, oh yeah, I know journaling works. I know prayer works. I know walking works. Um, it, it's common sense, I guess, because it's unfortunately common sense maybe isn't so common. And I'm talking to myself here. I put these things off for a long time thinking that, healing and moving forward in hard spots was a lot more complicated than it is. So that is, those are some things that really helped. In addition, sorry, long answer, but my Friday night dinners with Kirsten, even if we had the most frustrating week and both of us are just spent and like dead behind the eyes and not in the mood to even talk, we'll just like slowly like let ourselves have a little dinner and then start talking and make ourselves review every praiseworthy thing, even if it was like, I actually did clear out my inbox this week, even if I felt like all I did was admin and not work towards any meaningful goals. Um, and by the end, you know, we're laughing, praising, like all this stuff. So, yeah. Yes. I was thinking that Kirsten certainly deserved a heck of a shout out because yes. I'm sure she's a huge a huge encourager in the day-to-day -day mundane moments and the other thing I really loved about what you said is I think it's really important to figure out I think whenever we're in slumps it's easy to like shove them under the rug pretend that they don't exist I'm on all the time I'm productive on the time but it's actually incredibly useful to know what helps me whenever I'm in those spaces and so you referenced like physically writing out the scripture, going on the walks. One thing that I found, which this is honestly so 
like borderline embarrassing but for me like my best thinking happens in the shower for some reason and so this friend who man talk about feeling fully known she got me a waterproof notepad yes. I, mad. I didn't think to give you that <laughs> I I have written like four out of the five last talks I've given standing in my shower like writing things on this Dude, notepad this I think, I think the whole world needs it. My only complaint is that they're only like four by three little sticky notes. And I'm like, excuse me, can we get some of those like full wall foot <laughs> post-it notes in this thing? Because yes. then I, my water bill would be high, but my productivity would be off the chisane. <laughs> right. So no, I think that that's useful um, to yeah, spend time thinking about really like who are the people, what are the actions I can take instead of just sitting around despondently waiting for seasons of discouragement to pass. Because even if you are doing something you love and are good at and is aligned with your values and strengths, you're gonna have bad days. Always, yes. So that's good. Um, okay, so this is kind of a fun question. I couldn't help but ask this because hopefully a lot of students, you came and spoke to the fellows program. It's a program where we became friends, really. Um, You came into our retreat this year. And so hopefully we'll have a couple listeners. Shout out to group 39 and company. But um, are there, is there any lesson from that class or really from college in general, but um, from that class, from that experience that you find yourself continuously returning to in (gasps) your current season of life actually this is wild but at the beginning of the podcast you kind of you mentioned that Dr. Josephy just recently came back and spoke so I'm actually going to reference something that he taught in uh, when he was a guest speaker at one of the classes and this continues to rock my world so he started his talk in this room of about Uh, The program, it's usually about 35 to 40 students that are um, very high achieving. It's uh, difficult and rigorous to get into the program, whatnot. You get the picture. And he addresses the room with this. You are at the highest risk of not living up to your potential. Your professional success is not guaranteed based based off of your academic success. Be prepared to start at ground zero again, be prepared to relearn a lot of things and be the lowest person on the totem pole. Don't let that rock you. Don't let that rock you. And then he went on to teach this extremely powerful lesson about if you are naturally an idealist, he really instructed that you need to learn how to balance it with pragmatism, like being very practical. If you are naturally pragmatic, you need to learn how to infuse uh, idealism and hopefulness and exploration in your mindset and your practices. And being naturally an idealist, I really, I appreciated that, that wisdom so much because even to this day, if I hadn't practically taken that um, to help me seriously consider how I could practice being more of a pragmatist, which I ended up doing by dedicating myself to two years in a big time, like 
just prove your chops kind of job that was very contrary to, uh, you know, there was no fluff about it. There was no idealism about it. Um, I think that actually is one of the reasons why I have any ability really to speak into people's lives now, because it's not because I was a consultant good Lord, like my resume didn't qualify me to be a career coach. No, not at all. Don't misunderstand me. What I mean is I have had a perspective, thanks to Dr. Josephie, like really encouraging that, that I've developed over the years that gives me the ability to relate to the pragmatist and learn how to encourage them to infuse more hope exploration and idealism in their career strategy. And then I could naturally speak to my, my people, (laughs) the idealists and, um, really gently encourage them to embrace a plan, pull them out of the clouds and, um, here's the step-by-step and then learn how to, uh, I help instill an excitement for the practicality in them. And so learning how to, be on both sides. I mean, lo and behold, also, I don't think that as an idealist of just being with my head in the clouds, like I obviously don't think I would have a bottom line that would be sustainable as a business if I didn't, if I weren't more concerned with the black and white of things. So that's one talk that I not only think about frequently, but it's just, I, I couldn't be more grateful for how that wisdom really impacted, um, the day-to-day of my life. I couldn't agree more. That that talk that night, that class was arguably the most important talk I heard in my four years of undergrad. And I feel like we need to we need to email Dr. Josephy this episode so he can hear all I these. was thinking the same. Also because he has hear. seen me in my flightiest stage. Literally, I am screaming on the inside every time I think of this. Like at the earliest stage of me starting my business, I had just whipped up my first version of my website, which was in every sense of the word horrific and like as dreamy, uh, like non-trustworthy nor credible as it could ever be. And of course, like that first version needed to get out so I could eventually build up to like the seventh version that I'm on now. But he, he was like, Oh yeah, what are you up to? Cause I saw him at a AM event and he was like, cool, send me your website. And he just responds with, it looks very you. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. I'll work on it. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, don't worry. Look, it looks like I'm a little bit more practical now, but yeah. I, that first version of the website was pretty scary. That's a great, well, this honestly, I feel like could be a lead into my next question, but we're going to phase into some of the more forward looking thoughts, um, as we, as we wrap up a little bit. And so the, the next question is who are two to three of just like bucket list podcast guests as we, that while it's the hundredth episode, it's certainly not the last episode. So give us a little preview of (laughs) dreams where we're going. Not the last Lord willing, um, unless I just like get hit by a truck this week. Gosh, no, ew. Um, but uh, Jordan Rayner, he is an author and a podcaster himself. Uh, his podcast is The Call to Mastery. And also his books, 
um, especially The Master of One is uh, his book that impacted me so much, talking about the biblical basis for why we should pursue mastery and focus on our one big thing in our career, which again, this is um, contrary in every way to my natural way of being. I really prefer to have my hands in like a bunch of different pots and um, uh, dreaming up uh, a million different things. But over the years, I've really learned the gift and the really faithful act of dedicating myself wholeheartedly to focus. And that's something I never thought uh, as a kind of previously uh, considered myself a multi-passionate person, I would be able to do and have satisfaction in whatsoever. Um, but his compelling case for mastery is something that has called me higher in so many ways. And actually in his podcast, uh, interviewing so many world-class people in a billion different like stations and different careers, um, that has inspired me so much to take discipline, take my discipline practices to a whole new level. Um, and run the good race, not in a cheesy way, but like a seriously give it all you've got, like it it's worth it kind of way. So Jordan Rayner, I respect him so much. Actually, fun fact, I, he did a Q&A episode and he had um, people submit voice notes uh, through a voice messaging, like a voicemail machine. And I was so nervous because you only get one shot to record it and you don't know if he's going to pick your question or not. And apparently he got a ton of submissions, but he only picked seven questions and he picked mine and he put it first and I was kind of proud of it. And I didn't sound as horrifically nervous and shaky as I thought, mostly because the phone line was really grainy, praise God. Um, but anyway, so that was cool. Um, Dave Ramsey, uh, Dave, we love him. He's actually, I truthfully, I wonder if I would actually want to interview him because I feel like he would just like turn the questions on me and be like, what financial baby step are you at seven? If not, no, like keep on working towards your financial freedom. But anyway, I respect him so much. Um, I, I think I just really respect truth tellers and people that like stick to their guns. The third is Kate Warman. She is an author, a podcaster. Um, she has the Heart of Dating podcast. And I think the way that she really um, follows her calling of running this singles ministry um, in terms of a podcast and the encouraging content she uh, puts out and her book, um, I just love how she didn't wait until one day she gets married to start speaking into the lives of single people. Um, she took an approach of like, Hey, I'm with you. And the way that she took one idea of, gosh, I wish that there was better Christian dating advice out there and has pursued that with such excellence and ambition. And I have no idea how just in three years from starting her podcast, she's grown it super huge. She's done e-courses. She's done virtual conferences, written a book. I love keeping up with like every detail of her work. I'm super encouraged by her message. Um, and I'm also just, I really admire who she is. I would love to interview her. Well, I'm looking forward to all of those with great anticipation. Two things. Number one, whenever you like said the thing at the beginning about getting hit by a bus, uh, morbid, funny, but also reminded me of every time I get off the phone with General Van Alstine, I'm like, all right, talk to you tomorrow. And he just says, <laughs> God willing. And hangs ah! up and I'm like, 
why can't you just be a person who says sounds good sounds good wow every time I'm like reminded of my own death as I get off the phone like you know talking about something arbitrary but anyway the other thing is Dave Ramsey an incredible goal I would have a really hard time telling him that low-key I really like my Chase Sapphire preferred credit card with the travel points so oh yeah I think actually that's at the center of my unworthiness that I don't think I could interview him because I personally believe in using credit cards as a debit card and just reaping the points but you have to be a very responsible person I understand that he is catered to the majority that needs a spanking and the opportunity for debt taken away from them but um yeah I'm sticking to my guns I have the southwest credit card and I am ready to take five vacations for free after the pandemic I couldn't agree more I called 27 this year my 27th birthday I called it my credit card birthday because I pay my credit card bill on the 27th so all you need to do pay your credit card on whatever your next birthday is and they can be your credit card birthday let me assure you it's wildly not fun or glamorous but that's <laughs> so funny that's like the new version of the golden year or whatever right but your credit I, card birthday that's even better adulthood oh, gosh okay so this is kind of a big climatic Last question I've prepared for you today, Kelsey, and this is an exercise that I do with my students a lot. We call it a 10-year dream, 10-year plan, whatever you want to call it. And um, I have them write detail for detail, and and we don't have to go this this into it, Um, but detail for detail, tell me about a day in your life 10 years from now. So Kelsey Kemp, describe your day in March 11th, 2031, 10 years from now. What does your life look like? What is your career? Has this business scaled? Have you started something new? Are you living as a Taylor Swift double in Las Vegas with Constantine and like having tourists take pictures with you? Tell us every detail of where you're at and what's going on. Wow, that was incredibly hard not to mess up the audio and talk slash laugh slash scream over you as you were riffing off right there. <laughs> um, 10 years from today. Uh So I'll start like, no, no, I'll start deep. There we go. So 10 years from today, um, the college career is still uh, my first child in this world. Hopefully I will have some, uh, you know, human children. Um, Actually, they'll be my third and fourth and maybe fifth if I have three. Uh, First is the called career. Second is Constantine, my cat. Uh, And then, you know, whatever offspring adds on to the tail end of that. Um, but the call to career um, will be something that, or how about is, okay, we're doing present tense. So is a company in which um, full e-course versions of my coaching curriculum is provided and accessible to vast audiences, um, especially taught in a group format, kind of for accountability and community in churches to instill um, empowering, truthful, life-giving theology around the purpose of work, um, what we are called to do, the truth that we do have a purpose, not just to share the gospel, but to have um, immense vision and excellence and purpose in our vocations as well. And also teaching proper theology around what it means to make faithful decisions in your career and in your life. So people feel free to 
move forward with the next right thing instead of constantly fearing doom and gloom that they're about to drop off the cliff that is God's will for their life and do something wrong that can't be course corrected or that there's not grace for. Um, and so it's my vision and hope that through a variety of new services that I do have vision for, I can describe, but that the cult career is something that is an integrated part of, um, church communities all over the world, honestly, I'll just say it. Um, because I think that there is such a painful need to move past, um, a simplistic theology of work that says, as long as you're good at your job and share the gospel, maybe at the water cooler once every 10 years, then job well done. Um, it doesn't matter if you're like totally drained on the inside and you hate your work, you should be content. Um, and that is not a biblical picture. Uh, it's an abuse of the <laughs> uh, practice of contentment. And so it's my hope to first assert um, really holistic teaching and vision for what God always intended work to be uh, as a gift to both um, us and our relationship with him and to our communities and our families, and then to help them, people at large, like practically move forward with that vision to identify what they specifically feel called to do, learn a solid process for confidently discerning then what exact role and career strategy and maybe multi-step uh, career plan best suits that, uh, and then equip um, the body of Christ with very, very tangible skills around job hunting because it breaks my heart. And this is something I've been working on and volunteering on a lot and trying to um, help my small church community with locally is it really, really breaks my heart to see, especially young professionals, especially singles, um, have a dull life where they're always waiting for something and feeling like they're in a transient stage, waiting until they're married. Um, and then maybe they'll figure out their career or waiting for God to put writing on the wall, um, to say, this is what you should do. You should be, um, an account manager for this sales firm or whatever. Um, but it really breaks my heart thinking, gosh, I have the strategies to help my friends never get defeated, like to the point of giving up in their job search again. Like I felt, I felt hugely convicted. Like I have friends that have cold applied to 300 jobs and not gotten it and gotten hardly any bites and certainly no offers getting to that end stage. Um, just because there's a couple things that they don't know. It's not like they're all wrong that I know, and I could help them with. And so anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent. I get super fired up about all this stuff, but I really want to equip the body of Christ with like very tangible skills to take high concepts, boil them down, understand the truth, have that change their lives and their career, and then step into that career with excellence. Doing that through e-courses, kind of like Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, um, that church communities can take together and they could see the prosperity of their whole community rise together on the whole. Um, and then also uh, I'm going to be coming out with a certification program, or if it's 10 years from now, it already has happened to train other career coaches in this work. 
um, to be ambassadors for, yeah, helping people again, I guess with this work. And then it's also my vision that this also provides more employment opportunities for additional income for families who are wholly dedicated to, um, ministry, like within the church, because it makes me sad that, um, families can commit all of their lives to serve the church wholeheartedly, but they're struggling financially, um, just living off of the tithe. And I think that teaching, especially like singles ministers to be equipped as also kind of an adjunct career coach, um, would provide additional income opportunities while being in line, probably with the help they're getting asked for or the pain they hear people expressing all the time. So I have lots of vision. I also will have a house in Terrytown, which is like the very beautiful part of town in Austin. Uh, and yeah, there we go. That was long. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, 10 years is an exciting place to be. And so it was great to hear every minute of it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right, Kelsey, a practice that we know and love. What is your strong closing statement for us on this 100th episode? Mm, um, I think that it would be to assert my prayer and intention, um, and also a reminder to myself constantly that, um, while we talked about the details of my career, um, I firmly believe that this isn't about me. And also this isn't my victory. Um, anything that we've gotten to celebrate in this conversation is firmly not my victory um, alone, at least not my victory alone. Um, because any amount of tenacity that I've had, I could guarantee you was sponsored by an encouraging friend who was there when I needed it most. And I also just had this moment of like, just bursting into tears a few weeks ago because I I had this moment where I just realized, wow, I will never know how much of my life is literally just the fulfillment of prayers of generations past, of people getting on their knees and my mom spending so much of her life caring so much for me and being so concerned about my well-being. Um, that none of this is my victory alone. And um, my ambition is really just to steward the insane advantages I've been given in this life well for the glory of God and the good of others. Um, and it's my prayer and my hope that that comes out in my speech, my attitude, and also in my my inner ethic that that never wavers. That's something I pray that I never waver in that. Um, because of course I could be prideful or, uh, forgetful of all the reasons I have <laughs> to be humble, um, in high points, but, um, yeah, that's my strong closing statement that this is a community victory for sure. Well, my strong closing statement on this episode is only this. We are so excited to see what happens next. <laughs> nice and simple but yes I am too thank you so much for joining me for this one I couldn't think of anyone I wanted to round out 100 with more you are my official I think for a while we were floating around with unofficial podcast uh co-host nah it's official 
<laughs> oh my gosh, this is a huge moment for me. And I'm going to get off this call and pull up my LinkedIn. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Wow. No, Claire, we are so aligned after years of friendship that before you uttered the, I'm going to pull up my LinkedIn, I was about to interrupt you and say, pull up your LinkedIn <laughs> <laughs> and put this on your, your profile. Um, wow. Yes, we are one. Amazing. Isn't Claire amazing? I am so grateful that she was kind enough to join me for this very special episode that I just so badly wanted to celebrate with her and her alone because on so many occasions, she's been the one that has encouraged me to do this, has shared the episodes, has said, Kelsey, you're easy to cheer for when I really didn't feel like it. <laughs> and just, yeah, everyone, I, I hope everyone gets a friend like Claire, though none of us deserve it. And I am also glad that you got the opportunity to hear a little bit from her. Um, and thank you so much for being here and celebrating with us. Um, I am so grateful for every time that you've tuned in with me to listen to these conversations and episodes about our callings and our careers. And I'm really grateful that this is a topic that matters to you too, um, because gosh, when we care about discerning our callings and doing the hard work to get into professions that allow that that allow us to pursue those callings to the fullest i believe that god is glorified and the people around you and even your friends are encouraged and bettered for it i so yeah i just look at me getting fired up again I wanted to commend you and thank you for being here and for every time that you've downloaded an episode or shared it with a friend or reached out to me and given me the chance to get to know you by reaching out to me on LinkedIn or Instagram. That has been such a privilege and an excitement and especially thank those of you or I want to thank those of you who have left a review. Y'all have heard me say it a bunch of times, but really I am so grateful when that happens and it brightens my day and a really a big way when I get to see your kind words uh, in there and oh yeah I just really wanted to thank you for joining me as we round out together this 100th episode and I actually looked up the date that I published episode one of answer the call and can you believe it it was June 11th of 2019 which just in a couple of months here this summer it's gonna be two years since that uh inaugural episode and i am so grateful um that just gosh even though i was nervous <laughs> i just started um and whatever passion project is on your mind i hope that you'll just start it too um because gosh you never know what could come from it um so anyway thanks again for being here and obviously this is not the end can't wait for more episodes and heck the next 100 so cheers to that and on that note i will see you next tuesday for episode 101 <laughs>